challenging men to be great men. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author, Stephen Mansfield. I am going to do something in this podcast that I have never done before. I am going to record one podcast for both the Stephen Mansfield podcast and for the Great Man podcast, and I think you'll understand why in just a moment. I'm recording this podcast on the weekend of June the 10th, 2018. Two days ago, Anthony Bourdain, a well-known chef and a TV show host, committed suicide. He was 61. He was shooting some shows in France, and late one night, Apparently, he took the robe, robe, I'm sorry, the belt of his bathrobe and hung himself. I'll come back to that in just a moment. He's now dead. Uh, in the same week, a female, a woman who was a leader in the fashion world, also committed suicide. The world is reeling, asking themselves questions about suicide. And I want to talk about this and talk about it from my own, my own experience and make some recommendations to you. I'm not much of a foodie, and I never watch cooking shows. I think I watched Rachel Ray once when a friend of mine was on there. Uh, That's probably as close as I get to cooking shows. My wife's a gourmet cook. I love the way she cooks, but I just don't want to study it. I'll be happy to buy the food, eat the food, clean up after the cooking, but it's just not something I'm interested in. I watched Anthony Bourdain all that I could. I liked his rough exterior I liked his interest in cultures. I liked his interest in people and the history and the way cultures produced or or food was an extension of culture. And because he traveled in many of the places in the world that I have traveled and even met some of the specific people that I have met, and it was amazing to see them there on his show, uh, I was fascinated with his show. Also, of course, though I'm not a foodie, I enjoy eating. So I wouldn't eat as varied a food as he might eat. Uh, but I did enjoy knowing about, again, how food was an extension of culture and how the food of France differed from the, uh, the food of Spain or, the, or, or what they did in Canada and the maritime provinces and things of that nature. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the food. I enjoyed the humor. I enjoyed the cultures. I enjoyed the travel. And I enjoyed Anthony Bourdain's personality. Personality. I had noticed recently, and I'm not saying this has anything to do with his suicide, that some of the shows he seemed to be high uh, or drunk and that he also was very crass in his humor. I don't need to have uh, food compared to, you know, a woman's body parts. Uh, it's not something I enjoy. I find it, find it frankly insulting. And that just seems to be the way he had uh, gone a bit. But, but that's just a side commentary. Apparently, though Anthony Bourdain, at the age of 61, had just about everything anyone would want, so we all think, there was something wrong in his soul. There was an emptiness. There was a sense that the future would not be any different from the past. There was a futility. His mother said that uh, though his show was going well and his life was going well, that just before his suicide, he had been living through some, quote, dark days. That's the opinion of his 81-year-old mother. He left an 11-year-old daughter behind. Uh, He left, he had a a girl, a rather famous actress, Italian actress, whom he was dating, whom he left behind. And of course, he uh, left a couple of ex-wives behind. I'm saddened by his death, 
both because I liked him personally and enjoyed his show, though, of course, I never met him or, or had any connection to him otherwise, but also because he represents uh, a trend that's happening in our society, particularly among men. I mean, nothing to take, I mean, to take nothing away from female suicides. Um, but the fact is that suicide in general in the United States is up 25%. Um, the, the percentage of uh, suicides among women is skyrocketing. But for quite some time prior to this recent trend, uh, suicides among middle-aged and older men were skyrocketing as well. Uh, if you live in England and you are a man 50 or older, you are more threatened by suicide as a possibility for the end of your life than you are anything except heart disease. Uh, that's how many suicides they are. And as, as I've said before in the Great Man podcast, when we do the psychological postmortem on the suicides in England, as in the United States, we find out that most men kill themselves because they're alone. They leave notes. They say things to people about they, how they don't have any friends. They don't have any other male friends. Nobody cares about them. Nobody will miss them. Uh, they haven't had a good time with another male for you know months, years, whatever the situation is. I'm moved by this trend because um, many of the people that I admire in history and many people that I know have had to fight suicide uh, in order to achieve anything in their life. Uh, Winston Churchill fought depression and suicide all his days. Even when he was the prime minister of England, he did not want to stay in a room or suite with a balcony on it because he was afraid one of his, quote, black dog depressions, unquote, would hit him and he would throw himself off the balcony. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, great man, emancipator. You know, we all love and know Lincoln here in the United States. Um, he, uh, his friends sometimes had to go on suicide watch. Uh, he once left Mary Todd Lincoln, the woman he ultimately married, at the altar. Uh, and friends went to find him and found him uh, lying in bed with a pocket knife, thinking about uh, killing himself. Uh, friends said that melancholy dripped from him while he walked. Uh, he was a depressing figure. He was a depressed figure. He said he was haunted by the thought of rain falling on graves. Um, and he came close to suicide a number of times. I could talk about others. Uh, many of you know that I went to high school in Berlin, Germany. Uh, Berlin at that time, as it somewhat is now, was a very dark, uh, frankly, perverse um, city. Uh, it, it had a very, I think at that time that I lived there in the, in the early 70s, it had the highest suicide rate of any city in the world. Uh, I had a number of friends in high school who killed themselves. I had uh, more friends uh, after I left Berlin and later on in, in their lives, uh, with friends with whom I had gone to high school, but now later in their lives also committed suicide. So they, they, they were in Berlin, they went to high school there, and then in their 20s or 30s, they committed suicide. I don't know if that's related or not, but I've had a huge number of friends and acquaintances commit suicide. Uh, so I'm, I'm tender to it. I'm aware of it. Um, I've personally never really wrestled with suicide. Um, I'm aware of it. I care about it. I read about it. I've written about it um, as a historical force. Uh, I can really only think of one time in my life that I came close to maybe, or at least I was thinking about killing myself. And it was, um, I was going through a divorce. Uh, I had made a stupid decision to go to a monastery right after Christmas um, in the year I was going through a divorce, I went to a Trappist monastery. Some of you will know what that is. That means they're not talking to each other. Um, the place was empty. Many of the priests had gone off to other places for Christmas. Um, I think it was me and maybe 10 other Trappist monks 
but they weren't, they don't talk to you um, for the most part. It's meant to, you, you, they've taken a vow of silence. I was driving back from this horrible, sad, depressing experience. I'd had a terrible Christmas. Um, I'd been very much abandoned, of course, by an ex-wife, but also abandoned by friends because uh, most of my friends were in the organization I worked with and led. But just a bad situation on my part. And I remember driving home and thinking, you know, if I just pull over into one of these oncoming trucks on this two-lane highway, uh, it will all be over. And for a few moments, I entertained the idea. Well, I'm in my 50s. That's, that is the most I've ever contemplated suicide. Um, but I'm touched by it. I know what it's like to look darkness in the eye. I know what perversion is like. I know uh, what it's like to have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not being metaphorical in what I'm about to say, uh, the demons come in the night. I do believe in demons. I do believe in spirits that whisper in our ears. I do believe that demons want to destroy people and, and entice people. I don't think that's all there is to suicide, obviously. I think psychological factors, uh, biochemical factors. I'm told by some of the MDs who advise me that that depression can be very, very biological and not a result of abusive parents or tough situations in person's life. I believe all of it. I think all of those need to be considered. But I do know what it's like to be up at three in the morning uh, feeling like life has no purpose and you know, reaching out to God. I mean, that's, that's an experience that all of us have. I know that some of you listening to this have the same sort of temptation. And I want to say a couple of things to you. First of all, it's obvious that either because the news in our world is scary uh, or because the forces of hell have been unleashed in this particular area on earth, I, I certainly believe that kind of thing can happen, or because we are all uh, better equipped to commit suicide. I mean, we all drive fast cars and have access to high buildings and, you know, things that people didn't have in a previous time. Or maybe it's because we are less religious and therefore we believe there's less penalty uh, for um, for killing ourselves. Uh, I've, I'll discuss that another time if somebody wants me to, but that's not what I'm talking about now. I want you all to be aware that suicide is closer to you than it's ever been. It's more of a possibility. It's more of a temptation. And it is not the way to go. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Uh I can't say you're going to regret it because I don't know what you'll be doing on the other side of death, but I will tell you that the world doesn't want to lose you. You don't want to lose yourself. Um, and whatever you think is the issue um, is, is not an issue worth killing yourself over. Uh, Anthony Bourdain gave a permanent solution to what must have been a temporary problem of pain. It could have been resolved in some way. From all of our perspectives, he had everything. Good looking, athletic, traveled the world, great job. I mean, what was his job? Travel the world and eat food. Tell people about it. I mean, he himself said it was a great, great gig. He made a lot of money. He was one of the most successful chefs in the world. So why did he kill himself? Well, we don't know. And we shouldn't presume to know. And we shouldn't preach his life as though we do know. But I'm sad that he's gone. And I, and I, the only firm conclusion I have is that I wish he wasn't gone and that he chose a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Now, what I also want to tell you is this, and this comes also a little bit from my own perspective. The day that Anthony Bourdain died, my daughter called me. And uh, she, was, <laughs> she was nosing around a little bit, asking me general questions. We're getting together for a little bit of a getaway to a lake house here pretty soon. And so she asked some general questions. But I also knew what she was doing because she is my daughter. I've taught her. Uh, she's edited books I've written for men and edited things that I've, I've written and said. 
and I knew that she was also checking to take my temperature. Now, again, I say I have no problems with suicide. I don't. Uh, I, my children have never seen me so depressed I might shoot myself or open a vein or do anything like that. Never. Um, and, I, and I don't battle it. Nobody's checking with me because they know that if anybody's going to kill himself, it's Mansfield. That is not the case. But my daughter is wise enough to know that it's okay to check in with me. In fact, she can check in with me on anything. She can ask my wife if I'm being a good husband. She can check on my eating. She can check on my travel. She can check that I'm not, you know, that I'm working out enough or that I'm praying enough or whatever she wants. My daughter is free to check uh, with me as are my, as my son and my friends. And I've said many times on the Great Man podcast, I, I work hard to make sure there are a circle of people around me. One of the things that moved me in the interviews that I saw related to Anthony Bourdain um, was that uh, the Cuomo, who is one of the interviewers on CNN, uh, interviewed a chef who was a friend of Anthony Bourdain's. And he said when he was asked that he had constructed circles of friendships and accountabilities and relationship around him um, because he knew he had mental problems and he knew he could be depressed and he knew suicide wasn't that far from him. So his solution, whatever else he was doing biochemically, I, I don't know about that, but he said, I've, I've specifically constructed circles, concentric circles of relationships around me and I've got friends and I've got people I can rely on and they, they keep me from doing insane things. And I'll tell you, that to me is the ultimate issue. I suspect, and I, I'm, I'm the first to say I do not know, but I suspect that Anthony Bourdain, traveling the world, being away from home 250 days a year uh, with this amazing gig, uh, was lonely. Uh, I suspect he didn't have people, a band of brothers uh, in his life. Uh, I suspect that many people who commit suicide, as we know from the psychological postmortem, don't have people in their lives, people they can call, people they can trust, people who know their souls, people who know that... Uh, when times are good, that's when they might be uh, lapse into depression. People who know that when they drink, they lapse into depression. People know that travel le leaves them lonely or, or whatever the situation is, whatever the unique contours of their depression or their suicidal thoughts are. I'm convinced, as all of you know, I'm, I'm sure, that we must have um, a band of brothers or a band of sisters in our lives. I'm convinced we have to be intentional about that in our generation because it does not happen accidentally. And I am convinced that it's part of the health that we need. Now, if you need medication, if you need to be checked medically, do it. Yes, depression can come from those factors. Yes, suicidal tendencies can come from those factors. I'm not hiding from that at all. But a lot of what leads to suicide is psychological. It's relational. It's a fruit of isolation. And so part of the solution, certainly, is that we are building bands of brothers, that we are building bands of sisters around us. Let's take suicide seriously. Let's be in each other's lives. Let's do as my daughter and two friends did on Friday. They weren't checking with me because they thought, well, Stephen's certainly going to be depressed. No, not at all. I'm no more depressed than anybody else and less suicide, probably suicidal than most. I've, again, I've only had one five-minute moment in my entire life and haven't really told anybody about that until now. Um, so that's, I'm, it's not a big issue for me, but I am delighted that they checked in with me. I am delighted that they asked me. I asked them, and I believe that that's what makes for the healthy relationships that we need, not only to overcome suicide, but to become the best people, and in the great man sense, the great men, the great women we're called to be. So forgive me for merging this podcast uh, for two purposes. Uh, I think you understand why. The loss of Anthony Bourdain 
uh, I feel keenly, not just because I enjoyed him and how he approached food and how he enjoyed, enjoy, uh, approached cultures, but because he's yet another loss in our generation, like Robin Williams, like others, um, who have been taken from us and have done so in a, in a form of pain that I think could have been addressed in other ways. Let's kick this scourge of suicide out of our generation. And part of the way of doing that is by building the bands, the circles of relationships around us that insulate us and give us people to be present when the demons come. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men and Building Your Band of Brothers, as well as some other great resources for becoming a great man. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production. 